great to see you in church this morning. Just a couple of things uh, before I start. Uh, basically, um, we're giving most of our offering now online, uh, which is a tremendous gift. Um, but we, I just want to say as a pastor, thank you for everyone who's investing into the kingdom of God in this space. We want to pray a blessing on what you give so God's kingdom will grow through it. And so we just want to I just want to honour you and thank you for your gifts and tithes as you invest in this space. The uh, The other news is that Kelly and I became grandparents again during the week, which is really exciting. And um, I've got to say, it's just a little bit uh, difficult to know, you know, there's expectations about what you can say and when you can say it and is it Facebook ready yet or whatever that's going on there? Uh, but uh, little Olive Erin was born on Thursday morning um, and that's just a great delight for us, Kelly and I. If you want pictures, Kelly's got a few, I've got more. So um, just come and, and have a look at us that way and ask us about that. That would be great. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Loving God, as we start this uh, Lenten journey towards your cross and your resurrection, Lord, may you renew our hearts and revisit our lives. So grateful, Lord, for what you've done for us. So grateful, Lord, that uh, you've called us your own and that you love us beyond our understanding. And Lord, I just pray for the people in this room and the people watching online that you will um, that you'll bless them give them the words that they need to hear this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're starting our Lenten series. It's called The Way, uh, The Way to a Renewed Life. And uh, on and the way, why I've, I've chosen this series is basically because Jesus is our guide on, on not just how we, we connect with God, but how we live our life. And I don't know about you, but I, I believe that one of the things that Jesus came to do was not just to save our soul, but to help us live uh, a productive, fruitful, blessed life so we can be a blessing to this world. And, and I think we all want that, don't we? We want to have a renewed life in, in our life. And I love that about uh, our faith, is that God continues to do a work in us, continue, continues to renew us, and refine us, and to bring us closer to Him, to to knock off our rough edges, and enable us to um, to be um, uh, people who are blessed. And, and so, I, I wanted to start this series um, where Jesus started, where Jesus started His ministry. I, I wanted to start there because I think. That sometimes, well, a lot of times where you start is the foundation place that you build everything else on. And, and so we're going to read from Matthew's Gospel. It's uh, chapter 3, so you know it's pretty easy. It's Jesus' baptism, and it's a very short passage, but we're going to be drawing other things into it as well. Just like this. You can pull out your devices if you like, so please do that when you're doing sit there and ponder it as you listen to me talk. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. It was an intense, it was a, a 
focus on it being able to do that and only that. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. Why are you coming to me? And he was still baptizing by you. But Jesus said to him, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. And so John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, Jesus came out of the water. The heavens were open and he saw the Spirit descending like a dove and settling on him, which gives us images of Noah and the dove that reminds us of Jesus. And the voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son, and some translations say beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. And so it's a very short passage, but it is uh, jam-packed with all kinds of imagery. It is Jesus' starting place, and I love this because the theme of today is that Jesus' starting place is being humble if you hadn't picked it from the front. That's, that's where he starts. And, and I want to encourage you that as we seek our renewed life, that our starting place should be that of humility. It should be a, a place where we, we, we come and we, we sit at God's feet. Because this is the place that Jesus started. So, so what do I mean by humility? Well, this is what David Wilkinson says. He says this. He said, a humble person is not one who thinks little of himself, hangs his head and says, I am nothing, but rather is one who depends on the Lord for everything in every circumstance. So uh, being humble is not about thinking less of yourself, but it is about realizing that you're dependent and your um, your whole being is relying on God. And when you realize that you have no greatness of your own, that everything you have comes from God, when you realize that it is God who does the refining work with you and you can read all the self-help books that you like, but it is God who changes the human heart and the human mind, when you come to that realization... When you realize that you can't save yourself, but you need God, when you realize that, then you don't look at other people with any kind of um, uh, looking down at someone else. For whatever reason, you just realize and grateful that you are saved and that you are loved and that God is doing his work in you. But if you're anything like me, it can be hard to be humble. There's all sorts of things that come into our lives you know we we like to be the masters of our own destiny we keep on trying to grab back our life out of god's hands we keep on trying to rely on ourselves and our own actions we keep on thinking for some reason we can do the simple life thing better but if we grasp the point that god uh, is the one who does the work that God is the one, then it brings us to a place of humility where we can move through life with a greater sense of joy and a greater acceptance. I was at Synod last week. This is the, the state where our body is in the Roman Church. And I had an opportunity to, to have a coffee with a guy who uh, I've 
known since he was six, but he's just started his very first pastor gig, which is great joy because they believe that they can do everything. And, uh, and uh, they have these grand visions of how their church is going to change and how their church is going to grow, and I pray that every one of these dreams comes true. So we're sitting down, and I love doing this, sitting down with it, because I remember all the stuff that I've forgotten when I speak to someone who's just starting in this kind of way. And I was sitting down, and he was talking to me about leadership and about, about the vision that God might have for me in this place. And I, and I remember saying to him, he says, I hold what God says to me very loosely. He says, what I've learned is when I go to my counsellor and say, I think God is taking me to his next direction, is to hold it very it's just because I know that I can do both. I know that I can miss hear God in God's intention. I know that I need other people to help speak God's word into my life. And that is a, is, is a long learn, uh, journey of him learning how to lead me. And every once in a while I've got to catch myself because I'm a big guy with a big personality and I can be forceful. And, I, and I've got to learn again and again and again to sit back and go, no, this is God's church now. This is God's community that I'm blessed to be a part of. This is not about me trying to get my will of what I think God wants to do done in this place. This is about seeing God do what God wants to do in this place. And as, I've, uh, as I sit in that space and I try and sit in that space, as, uh, as often I can, I see God do all the hard work. God moves the mountains. God raises up the valleys. And I want to encourage you this morning that the starting place is humility because when we realize that we don't have to fight, when we realize that we don't have to um, try and do this thing called life on our own, then we can come to a beautiful place of peace, which the Bible promises. We can come to a beautiful place of joy, which the Bible promises. We can release worry. We can release guilt. And we can start again. So let me just unpack this passage for you because I don't think you fully appreciate this passage until you understand the baptism that uh, that John was offering and that Jesus submitted himself to. You see, the the baptism that John was offering was a a, a modified version of baptism that the Gentiles would go through to become uh, God-fearers or or Jewish-believing Gentiles. And and this baptism had three elements, sorry, this conversion process for Judaism, if you're a Gentile, had three uh, elements. It it had uh, a baptism, a, a cleansing, it had circumcision, and it had an obedience to the law. That's a very three things going through. But, um, but the main important one was the cleansing, the, the dipping in the water. It was about saying that you were born anew into your faith. And John takes that, and we take that as Christians now as we celebrate baptism, as the meaning of baptism, that we died to ourselves and we raised again in Christ. So John takes this Gentile baptism and he modifies it because he calls the Jews to enter into this kind of cleansing and this type of being born anew. 
And what John is saying as he's pulling it out, and, and if you've ever wondered why he's so angry at the Pharisees, this is why. He's calling the Jewish people, not those who are Gentiles becoming uh, Jewish followers, but the Jewish people, he said, you cannot rely on your heritage to get to heaven. You can't rely on the fact that you are a child of Abraham to get you there. Just like we as Christians believe that you can't inherit your parents' faith. You don't make your connection to God just because your mum and dad had one or your grandma has it. It's got to be a personal connection between you and God. You've got to commit to what God is doing in your life. And so John is saying this to the Jews, which would be just radical at at the time. Absolutely radical. But he's calling them to say, no longer is it enough for you to think that you have a connection with God just because you come from a family of faith. That hangs a lot on them, that they were, they were sons and daughters of Abraham. It hangs a lot on them. The other thing that John's baptism um, was uh, uh, um, revolutionary as a choice because baptism is something that you can And so here he's saying, you can't rely on your heritage. You can't rely on yourself. You need someone else to come and baptize you for it to be done right. And and, and so he's starting to to lay out to the Jewish people, you can't rely on your heritage. You can't rely on yourself. All you can do is submit to the the judgment or in John's case, the coming judgment of God. That you've got to be made right. You've got to repent and be made right so that when this judgment comes, that you can survive. And for John, there was no, if there was no heartfelt repentance, there was no spiritual nourishment. For John, if there was no heartfelt repentance, there was no spiritual new life and for those of us in the room who have been traveling God for a while you know this unless you come before God whether it's your first time or whether it's your millionth time unless you come and 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 kneel before God and have a repentant heart a heart that wants to push into the things of God and away from the selfishness in our life there's no spiritual nourishment and so here we have Jesus come to John to be baptized. And why John is so adamant that he couldn't, because Jesus doesn't need it. Jesus doesn't need to repent. Jesus is only relying on his real inheritance, which is the fact that he is the Son of God. He is new life. And yet he comes to John and says, you need to baptize me. That, it, it's not meant to make sense. It, it's meant to make you question and go, what's going on? It, it's meant to be a, a, a sharp uh, prong to the listener's ears to say, why is Jesus doing this? Why is Jesus coming if he doesn't need, need to repent? Why is he coming... He is new life. He doesn't need to do this to have new life. 
think of him when he humbles himself and submits to fulfill the righteousness that the will of God asks of him. Well, why does he do this? Well, we've got to have a series of a couple of things. One, he wants to do this because he wants to make it very real. That if Jesus could submit himself to it, even though he doesn't need to, then we should too. You know, I've, I've been involved with um, lots of different churches that have people from different roles that have had a marriage. I've met some people who say they don't want to um, they don't want to be baptised in, into the church because they don't want to submit to the church. And I'm thinking, why are you Jesus can come and do it even though he has you know, it, it doesn't benefit him can't you come and do it so he comes to model for us that humility submission is the beginning place of a new life that we need to do something about our pride and stubbornness that we need to bring it to God and let God do his work the other thing that he's doing is, is as Jesus comes and submits himself and humbles himself to this, he's identifying himself with John's mission. That John is asked, what John is asking Jesus to determine. And so we see in this really sad story the outworking the Philippians can model as the disciples go and put up um, the stairs. You must have the same attitude as as Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took a humble position as a slave and was born as a human being and then appeared as one of us. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest place and gave him the name above every name. So right at the beginning, I want to put to you that we need to be people who step into humility. If for no other reason as that's where Jesus started and that is Jesus' theme throughout all the Gospels. Now, we can struggle with this. But if we want a renewed life, if we want God to continue to work in us, if we want to get past these stuck barriers that sometimes we find ourselves in our faith, then we, we need to have a look again at whether we are being proud or whether we're C.S. Lewis basically says this. He says, if you don't realize that you're proud, then you are proud. If you don't realize that you're proud, then you are proud. If you realize you're proud, then you realize that you need to work on it. A.W. Tozer puts it like this. He says, for Christianity, humility is an absolute is absolutely indispensable. Without it, there can be no self-knowledge, no repentance, no faith, and no hope. No 
access my life. No awareness of who you are. Really humble. You need to go So what is the result of Jesus being humble, coming to get John to baptism, even though he didn't need it? What's the result? Well, the result is this, that heaven opens. You, you remember the story? That as he comes out of, the, out of the water, the heavens open up. I don't know about you, but I want heaven to be opened up to me. I want that connection with God, that greater, that to be able to hear his voice more clearly. And, and, and Jesus being humble and allowing himself to, the heavens open up. And God's voice comes down and says, this is my son who I am well pleased. There, there is, a, there is a, 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 um, an affirmation of who he is and what he's about. And I run into far too many Christians who are so worried about what everyone else thinks, so worried about whether or not um, they are okay or they have, have little understanding of their worth and the kingdom of God. And I'm wanting to, to, to share with you, if you want to get to hear God's voice more clearly, if you want to experience uh, your worth in God, Well, what happens after the clouds open and the voice comes, well, his spirit falls like a dove. There's power that comes at that moment. The power that uh, initiates Jesus' ministry into the future. And so if you want to see your ministries be fruitful, this is the starting place. Be humble. I'm working with a guy at the moment in another church who is really struggling with his leadership team and, and, I, and I keep on saying to him, I said, you've got to be humble. You've got to let go of the reins. You've got to let people have a say and he just can't manage to do it. And so his ministry is not moving forward in power. It's being blocked and it's being stagnant. He needs to be humble. So we see that the story just after this one is Jesus had a wake-up call. That his humility then sustained him fully and into his disciples. So I want to put to you this morning that humility is knowing that God has done for you. Humility is about knowing that you are saved by a renewed life is about stopping being based in life on your own strength and to allow God to fill you and how do you do it well it's not easy it's hard hard to find this place Jesus but as we walk with Jesus as we follow his way of choice that we need to make for ourselves to say God I need you I want you to fill me 
Loving God, I pray for us as a congregation. I pray, loving God, that you will continue to work in hearts. For those, Lord, whose hearts are feeling hard, whose hearts are feeling proud, Lord, may you break through that hardness, Lord. May you come by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and just convict people right here in this congregation. Let anger of Lord, whether they're stubborn about it. Because, Lord, if you can submit to something that you don't even know, couple of things before we start. just want to um, thank and honour everyone who has been uh, investing within this community by your tithes and your offerings, giving regularly, whether you've been there on the basket, on the way in or electronically. We pray God's blessing upon it and uh, God will continue to grow his kingdom here at Christ. The other thing I want to share with you is that during the week, Kelly and, and, and I became grandparents again, which is very exciting. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, we, we're on a social media ban at the moment and we're trying to exchange and desire things that you could do as a grandparent. Uh, but Olive uh, and little Paul are also on our Thursday morning, which is a great joy. Kelly's got some pictures up at North this week to come and, um, and have a look after the Thursday. Well, we're in a... Uh, well, let's pray. So let's, let's pray as we come. Loving God, we thank you and praise you for your faithfulness and and so grateful for everything that you've done for us. And we ask, Lord, that as as we share, we pray for our brothers and sisters around us as well as those, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts as they share with us. Lord, may you make us to love our hearts well and to love them. So come, Holy Spirit, and move in our midst I love the second service because I've got no time constraints, which means I can just, uh, you know, you get the non-redacted version of the, the scripture. But we're starting a brand new series today called The Way to a Renewed Life. And, and what I wanted to start working at this is as we go through the cross and through the resurrection, as we head towards Easter, because this is the first Sunday in Lent, that we realize that... Uh, our faith is not just summed up by the cross and the resurrection is the major, major part of it. It's not summed up with us because Jesus came and modelled for us a way that we can have life and life in all its fullness. We now have the Spirit of God inside of us and God wants us to receive and to have more than what I think we give uh, God credit for. That Jesus wants to help us live a, a renewed and a restored life. A renewed and a restored life. And, and, and I think that's one of the great things about our faith is that, that when we are uh, in our relationship with God, as we're allowing God to work in our life, He keeps on knocking things off, pushing things away. He keeps on moving and, and 
highlighting things gradually, and we become more and more like Jesus. That's the process, the theological process that comes with life. Become more and more like Jesus. And and it's fascinating to me, and I've been a, a Christian over 30 years now, how God still brings up things in my life. Still asks me to, to work on things. Still wants me to pray through things. But still is trying to encourage me to become more and more like Jesus. But, but every time I feel stuck, every time I feel down, there's a renewal process that God takes me through and enables me to come back into his presence and to worship him once again. I love that about the Christian life. And, and, I, and I reckon that for all of us here, there's a... There's a sense that we want God to do something new inside of us, to renew us in some way, to get rid of some dark thoughts or to, to embrace us in a new way, to feel more loved, more connected, to help us uh, renew our relationships with other people. I think we've all got something that we would like God to renew in us. And, and uh, I want to encourage you this morning that, that this series is, a, uh, you know, is about helping us see what Jesus did that made his life better, like on the Sermon today with Pastor Tim. And so I thought that the great place to start is where Jesus started. I thought that might be very helpful. To start, uh, uh, where did Jesus start when he started to walk and proclaim and to live out this renewed life, this new life, this mission that he's on? Why don't we have a look at Jesus' baptism this morning? So we're in Matthew 3, uh, a very short passage, it's only 13 to 17, packed with all kinds of imagery, uh, but this is where Jesus started, and, and as we get to, uh, as we finish the end of it, we'll, we'll talk about the theme that we're going to work through. So Matthew 31, uh, 3, 13 to 17. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the river of Jordan to be baptized with John, that was his focus. He wasn't going and, and saw John on the side of the river and thought, oh, that's a good idea, I might do that. You know, he, he wasn't caught up in an emotional uh, a meeting where people called for baptism because, oh, I'll do that. He went from Galilee to the river Jordan with the intent of being baptized. But, but, John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Jesus says, it should be done, for we must carry out all things, all that God requires. And so John agreed to baptize After his baptism, and I want to get you to get this imagery in your head. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, so he went down in, and as he came out, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and settled on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, or if you read more older scriptures, my beloved Son, who brings me great joy, who I'm well pleased. And so here we have this, this story that, that John is uh, trying, uh, sorry, that Matthew is trying to tell us about Jesus starting his ministry. From here, he heads out into the desert and gets tempted and, and gets refined. 
But here we see that Jesus starts his ministry in a posture of humility. And, and I want to put to you this morning that as we, if we want to enter into the renewed life that God has for us, maybe we're feeling stuck spiritually, maybe we're not sure what God wants us to do, not sure how things are going to play out, maybe life is crashing in around us. Wherever you're at, I want to put you this morning that the starting place is humility. Jesus counting and submitting himself to be done. This is what Dave Wilkinson says about humility. He says this. He says, a humble person is not one who thinks little of himself, hangs his head and says, I am nothing. Rather, he is one who depends wholly on the Lord for everything in every circumstance. And so this is not about feeling, uh, it's not humility about putting yourself down. It, it, humility is about understanding what God has done for you and, and how God has made it all work. When we're humble, we have an understanding that everything that we have in our life doesn't flow from our work, it flows from God. And it can affect everything that we do. When we look at money, we don't look at money and go, it's ours. We look at it, God has given to me, then how do I steward it? When we look at relationships, we're, we're grateful of relationships and we're thankful and we humble ourselves and say, they are important because they're important to God and they're important to me. When we're, we're humble, we realize that it doesn't come through our effort, but it comes through what God does in us and when we come to this place of realizing that it's not about us and it's not about our work then we don't look at people's race we don't look at people's uh, ability we don't look at what's going on in their life and, and judge them we look at them and go they're like us they're like me when i when i talk to people and i'm not looking at them and and, and judging them for what they have or don't have or what they're doing or what they're not doing and looking at them and going, they're, they're like me, they're broken, they need Jesus. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, humility can be a hard thing. We, we, we get prone. We like to be in control of our own life. We, we allow our own desires to pull us this way and that. But when we have an understanding of the humility that Jesus wants us to start with, we have a realization that it is God who wants to do the work. And when you realize that you are God's and he is yours and that all things flow through him, when you come to that humble position of realizing that all things come from God, then you can, uh, you can allow yourself to feel peace and joy that you've never felt before. I've, I've experienced this in my life. I know God has been faithful in me. I've, I've been realizing quickly in leadership that that, um, that I've got to hold on to uh, the things that I think God wants to do very, very loosely. I was, I was having coffee with a guy who I've known since he was six years old, but he's just starting to pastor his church. And he was at Synod and he was having coffee with as many pastors as he could to try and gain some wisdom which is a wise thing to do and as i was chatting with him i was really enjoying it because you know i was relearning the stuff that i'd forgotten and as he was talking to me about vision and direction and i was saying 
pointed at where he's going to lead us. If God speaks to me about a direction for the church and what, what he wants to do in the church, he said, I've, I've learned that I can get it so wrong. And if I just push my agenda and go, I think this is what God is doing, then I'm going to wreck it. I've got to come humbly and just say, I think God has this for you. Will you discern with me? Will you pray with me? Can we together find out what he's saying? And I genuinely find that God moves in those circumstances. I do that in my life. And every decision that I think is of worth, I will humbly come before God and lay it down and say, God, is this something you want to do? I, I humble myself before you and ask you what your decision is at this moment. I remember when Kelly and I were dating, we were about a year in, and we were out partying in a good way. And, and we came to this decision where we just sat down and we were praying together and we said, God, we're going to lay this relationship down at your feet. And if you want us to separate now, this is the time to do it because it's either marriage or it's separation. That, that was the two. And I, I remember that we, we were praying and we just humbly laid it at the feet of God and said, whatever you want for us, we're going to just ask that you know what you're doing. And thankfully, she agreed with me that God said that we should continue down the road to marriage. But it's about every decision of worth being come before and humbly before God. The starting place. If you're stuck, the starting place. If you're struggling, the starting place. If you want something new to happen in your life, the starting place is always humility. So to understand why this passage is so significant in this area, let's pull apart this passage just a little bit about, about John and what John's baptism really means. John's uh, baptism was a modified baptism of what people would go through when they were Gentiles and they wanted to become a part of the Jewish faith. They were called God-fearers. And, and, um, and when they had people who recognized the, the, the God that the Jewish people were worshipping was the one true God, they could go through a process of being a Gentile Jew. And, and a part of that, if you were a guy, was circumcision. Um, the part of that was uh, a cleansing ceremony called baptism. And another was agreeing to the law. And so this, he took this, this Gentile um, uh, uh, baptism cleansing thing and he brought it to the Jewish people. And this is why it was so radical. He modified it from uh, a, a baptism of, of cleansing, of removing your sin and being born anew, which is part of what we see baptism as at the moment. We go under the water, we die to ourselves, we come out of the water, we're born anew in Christ. He took that, that principle for the Gentiles, but he then applied it to the Jews. And he applied it in the Jews, and that's why it was so scandalous at the time. He applied it to the Jews because it said a couple of things. It said, one is that you cannot uh, rely on your heritage, your bloodline. You can't rely on the lineage, and that's all the Jews did. We are sons of Abraham. That is our right to our connection in, with God. And John, John came in and go, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. 
You, you can't be a follower of God and say that that is enough. And, and we do that in the church as well, don't we? You, you, can't, you can't get your connection from God by being in relationship with your wife or having your parents' faith or, or, be, or saying that your husband's got it sorted so that's okay. My brother says, you're the religious one, you'll do it for me. No, 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 no. And so here, John was, was baptizing them, saying that this baptism is for repentance. This is a, a baptism that says that you can no longer rely on your heritage, but you've got to rely on being connected with God yourself. That was the first crazy and maddening thing he said. And then the second thing is he, he said, you've got to come to me. You cannot do this on your own. To be baptized, you need someone to baptize you. And it's a, it's a, it's a foundational thing of, of saying that you cannot have a connection with God in your own strength. You can't rely on your heritage. You can't rely on yourself. Why? Because you've got to submit to God and what God has for you. And in John, he, he was talking about the coming judgment. Repent from your sins because God is going to do something new and you've got to be right with him. And so he asked them to come and submit and repent, not rely on their heritage, not rely on their own strength, but rely on that God wanted to save them from the coming judgment. It was a radical baptism. And this is the baptism that Jesus was stepping into. And for John, there was... If there was no heartfelt repentance, there was no spiritual new life. And that's why he starts to tell off the Pharisees as they're coming down, and he calls them a brood of vipers. I wish we could still use that language today. You brood of vipers. Who told you of the coming wrath? That's in one of the uh, three other baptism stories in the Gospels. John, if there was no heartfelt repentance, there was no spiritual life. That's why he gives the thanks. There's no heartfelt repentance. There's no humbling before God and saying, God, I can't rely on my heritage. God, I can't rely on myself. I've got to rely on you. There's no new life. And so here we have Jesus come to John and it's perplexing, isn't it, when he comes to John and John doesn't want to baptize him. But it's John doesn't want to baptize him because John knows Jesus doesn't need to repent. Because he got them wrong. Fully human, fully God, but without sin. That's what made his sacrifice on the cross so powerful. That's what, why it's a game changer. Jesus didn't need to come and repent. Jesus didn't come and need to... Uh, receive new life because he was new life. And so so he comes before John and John goes, no, 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 you should be baptizing me. I know how sinful I am, even though I, I've been ordained by God to do this. I know that I'm broken, I'm flawed. You need to baptize me. And he comes back and goes, no, 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 no. This needs to be done because this is what God and so here we see Jesus humbles himself and submits himself to being baptized even though he doesn't need it. 
And I've got to tell you that there's going to be some times in your life where God is going to ask you to do something. But it's not about you. And it's not about your needs. And it's not about what benefits you. He's going to do it just because it needs to be done. And so Jesus comes and, and uh, the commentators have all kinds of theories that are filtered down to two about why it's important. And first of all, Jesus, it's important that Jesus went and be baptized because it models it for you. That it's important that we need to come and repent. That we need to come and seek new life in Him. We need to come and allow God to do something new in our heart and in our soul. It also is important, I think, because what Jesus is doing by allowing John to baptize him is affirming and identifying with the John ministry. And as Jesus comes and they have that argument and he and he submits himself to the will of God and what God wants to do, he outlines to us that humility is the starting point. It's not about what we want, it's about what God wants. And so if you're stuck, if you're struggling, if you feel that your heart is hard, if you, you're not knowing what direction to go, this is where you start. You come before God and you say, I can't do this. I can't do this. And it tore us out on the importance of um, Jesus' humility. And, and, and my son in Philippians that has um, read on, it goes like this. I'll shorten it down a little bit. It says, you must have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God something to cling to. He was happy to let it go. Although he had everything that God had, he was happy to let it go. He wasn't going to hold on to the power and say, let me show you what I can do. He was willing to let it go and to do what God asked of him. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. That's what it means to, to empty yourself of all your rights and to be born a human being and feeling powerless. Present. That's what it's saying. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal, criminal's death on the cross. Therefore God elevated him to a place of the highest honour and gave him the name above all names. And so here we have Paul articulating in an ancient hymn the fact that humility is the, the core of Jesus coming to us. And so it's the starting place for us as we move through and find the ways of Jesus and how he has modeled his life and how he can bring new life in us. If we, can, if we struggle with the fact that we have to be humble, and I've seen people who have done it, who, who struggle to, to let go and to say, oh, I'm going to let God control my life, then this is for you. You, you. you need to be able to let it go. This is what Tozer says about humility. Uh, A.W. Tozer was a, a, a prolific uh, Christian theologian. He says, 
for Christianity humility is absolutely indispensable. Without it, there can be no self-knowledge, no self-awareness, no understanding of yourself, fully understanding oneself, no repentance, no faith, and no salvation. So without humility, without our humbling ourselves before God and saying, God, you know better than me, without being able to humble ourselves before God and say, God, I can't do this on my own. There's no self-awareness. There's no self-understanding. There's no repentance because you think you can do it on your own. There's no faith and there's no salvation. This is how important it is. And we live in a society that wants to say you can do it yourself. We live in a society that says all you need to do is pull yourself up by your bootstraps one more time and you'll be okay. We've got books and books on how you can help yourself, but that is not the gospel because the gospel starts with us being on our knees and bowing before God and saying, I need you. It's why a lot of people hit rock, rock bottom before they come to Jesus. Because it doesn't have to be that way. So what is the result of us humbling ourselves before God? Well, I think the rest of the story starts to articulate that. You'll remember that when Jesus came out of the water after he humbled himself before God and before John and allowed himself to be, as he came out of the water, the heavens opened. And just like that imagery, heavens being opened. That the connection between heaven and earth was broken. That there's communication there and we hear a voice that comes from heaven. And so if you're struggling to hear God's voice, I want to say, start with humility. Because the heavens will open and, and the voice will come. There's a voice that comes and says, this is my son whom I love and who I delight in. And when we humble ourselves before God, we will hear that voice for you and for I. We will start to know our worth and who God is and what God, how God thinks of us. And I've dealt with people over a long period of time who really struggle with their sense of worth. And when, when you ask them, you know, what they think God thinks of them, they think it with their head, but they can't feel it with their heart. And I want to say the start of feeling and knowing that you are God's and God loves you is at the foot of the cross. And so when we, when we humble ourselves, we see the story of Jesus that the heavens opened the voice came, the spirit descended. And Jesus is empowered for the rest of his ministry. And he's empowered to overcome the works of the evil one because the next story is him going off into the desert. He's empowered to do the miracles he needs to do. He's empowered in our life. And as we humble ourselves, that is where we're going to find the power of God. And so if you're wanting to see God use you uh, more fully, you're wanting to see God do miracles in your life or through you to other people's lives, this is where you start. You will not find the voice of God, you will not find the power of God in prayer. It's just like oil and water, it will not mix. The only place you'll find it is on your knees in humility before God. So humility for me is knowing what God has done for you, realizing that you can't save yourself, that you need him. Humility is knowing 
what God has done for us, but it's also knowing that we are saved by grace. And humility is knowing that we can't do it on our own. So I want to speak to you this morning that if you need your life renewed, that you want to see God do a new thing in you to elevate what what you believe God has in your life, no magical formula to be humble other than you you choosing to let go of your pride and you can ask God for help in that but it's a choice and in humility it's the power of the cross in humility it's the power of the gospel in humility is the power for God to do in you everything that only he needs to do this congregation right now and pray a blessing upon them. Thank you that you love them, Lord. And I just want to speak to any people who are struggling with pride in their hearts and in their minds, Lord, and and ask, Lord, that that you can just convict them by the power of your Spirit. Lord, that voice in people's heads that's saying, I don't need God. I don't need this Christian thing. Lord, just break that voice in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for people who are struggling with their identity in you, with their self-worth, Lord, that you, as they humble themselves, Lord, you would pour out your love and may they have a revelation of how much you love them, how much you are for them, how much you want to do in them. And for a church, Lord, may we be a church that is in how we treat each other, how we invite people into our presence, how we grow people in the spirit, how we shine our face to others, Lord. May we be humble in all that we do, knowing that we cannot do anything to